WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. Always live on the free Odyssey app. From the Sherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Live and local from Philadelphia. Free speech lives here. Here. It's Kale and Company on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Excuse me, live on this Monday, January 8th. It is indeed Kale and Company right here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Always live on the free Odyssey app. And of course, streaming live for your video viewing pleasure on YouTube. As we head until 10 o'clock this morning, 855 839 1210 is the phone number on social media at 1210 WPHT. I am at Nick Kale, K-A-Y-A-L, Don Stenzlin with the news. Greg Stocker, the chairman of the board. Phil Omquist, Anthony Dorenzo, our associate producers. Hopefully all of you had a great weekend. Back to work we go on this Monday. Dawn, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Gregory. It's our first like, what, full week since, I don't know, last three weeks or something. Yeah. Oof. And um, Can we get through it, ladies and gentlemen? I think we can. All right. A better chance of us making it till 10 o'clock than the Eagles getting through four <laughs> quarters against the Giants. You had to bring that up first thing. Huh? The hell did we watch yesterday? Oh, oh, man. Boy, you were correct, weren't you? I told you they were done. Because remember, those 24 points that were scored... We're done by the first string. <laughs> That's correct. Jalen Hurts was the quarterback. I know they brought in Marcus Mariota at the end, but uh-huh. he hurt his finger. <clears throat> God, did you see that? By the way, I know it's like dangling. Yeah, that was all crooked. Ugh. Well, they should be Tampa. I I don't. Uh, <laughs> you can have that's all you, pal. I'll take Tampa. You take the Eagles for twenty bucks. You're going to take Tampa in that I, game. I'm going to. Yeah. Really? Yeah. They're going to wow. lose. If they're going to lose the Terod Taylor, they're probably going to lose the Baker Mayfield, but. Man. It's not our issue. Let those guys down the hall dust beat their heads over it for four straight hours today. <laughs> but we will have Harry Mays coming up at 9.30 this morning to make sense of what we saw last night. Uh, also this morning, Joe Biden was in Bluebell on Friday, in case you didn't hear. Although the media would portray it as Valley Forge. We'll get to that in the big take this morning. Barack Obama is worried. He's worried about Donald Trump. We'll get to that. And also, podium problems. Tensions rising between Kareem Jean-Pierre and John Kirby. Uh-oh. How about this? Ouch. Yes. The voting age in New Jersey about to be lowered. We'll tell you when. God, yes. And could Ron DeSantis be dropping out seven days from now? One report with multiple sources says... If he doesn't win Iowa, he's out, and he will begrudgingly endorse Donald J. Trump. Wow. Who saw that coming? We did. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. We got a lot of good stuff to get to. The cut sheet's loaded. We've got William Penn and a statue in the news today. Uh All sorts of stuff. It's going to be a good show. It's a Monday. 6.05, round number one of the news. The Great Dawn Stenzel. And good morning this Monday morning. January the 8th, I'll tell you when a big storm may be rolling through or blowing in. We are sponsored this morning by Wawa. 
So in the news this morning, uh, we're hearing about Philadelphia police. They've confirmed that they are searching for answers, investigating after one person is dead, multiple shots fired. This happened in Philadelphia's Frankfurt neighborhood this morning. <clears throat> police saying they found a victim on Glenlock Street right near Wakeling and Pratt Streets. And they also found a lot of shell casings on the block as well. So apparently a water department crew nearby saw two guys run from the scene. We have no details. Was this uh, some kind of a carjacking or a robbery in progress? Or was it drug or gang involved? No answers, no details, no suspects, no arrests. This happening this morning in Philadelphia. And when you think about the fact that we had previous to to this murder here, we had some 410 people murdered last year and this has led the Philadelphia Police Department to try to recruit more officers as the new mayor, Sherelle Parker, has promised to hire and recruit more officers. That all begins, that effort is beginning this week. So the department accepting applications today through February 2nd, the starting salary $61,888 plus you get a $2,000 signing bonus. So the city's waiving that requirement that new officers must live in the city for one year before joining the force to try to boost the dwindling ranks that we've talked a whole lot about. But again, an initiative by the new mayor, Cheryl Parker, declaring that public safety emergency on her first day on the job to try to combat gun, they call it gun violence, to try to combat the killings, the gun violence, the record that was set over the summer with eight people a day being shot in the city of Philadelphia. So they're trying to hire some new recruits, new officers. And they're trying to go outside of city limits for residents. That's correct? Yes. So like if you live in the burbs, you could technically apply during this one-year period? Or anywhere. Let's say you're a cop in New York City and you want to come to Philadelphia. What they, what I think they would love to do is try to recruit more, more experienced officers, mm-hmm. lure them from other places. Right. But... So far, we'll we'll keep track of it. She well, wants to hire three hundred immediately, but yeah. remember, even if you're hired at the sixty one eight sixty one thousand eight hundred eighty eight, that's what you get when you go through the academy. Mm-hmm. You get an immediate bump once you're sworn in as an officer. Okay, so, I don't know sixty one thousand in this city. I don't know. I don't think I could do it. Maybe well, if, you, if you stuck a one in front of that, I'd consider it. But. Well, speaking of that, remember that DEI, the first DEI. Officer, we had that individual made nearly three times. Yeah, $170,000. So think about that. Yep, it's outrageous. <laughs> uh, yes, the Pennsylvania tolls that we talked about, everything goes into effect today, by the way. Sorry, more tolls, higher tolls, and uh, going up 5%. So that's happening along our Pennsylvania Turnpike. Philadelphia Eagles finish the season as the number five seed. We'll play the number four seed, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, in the NFL's wildcard playoff round. So it'll be next Monday, January 15th, which is a holiday. It's MLK Day, 8 p.m. And according to ESPN's Football Power Index, FPI, mm-hmm. whatever, Eagles have a 4.7% chance of making it to the Super Bowl. Do you like that? No, I don't like that at all, Ouch. actually. Nope. Wow, and so it's um it's the uh, uh next weekend. There's two games on Saturday, three on Sunday, and then one on Monday. And once again, we got to get a Monday night game, another eight o'clock game. Eight o'clock game. 
Yesterday was a 4.30 game. We played one game all year at 1 o'clock in the NFL this past year. It's unbelievable it that you can't watch a 1 o'clock Eagle game ever. So the so Dallas um, won the division yesterday, obviously, faces the number 7 seed Green Bay Packers, and that's next weekend. So it looks like, according to FanDuel, at least the opening line for the Eagles and Tampa is uh, minus 2.5. Yeah, I have no idea how the Eagles are even favored in that game, but they were favored again yesterday, so just take that for what it's worth. Over under 44.5. Yeah, I'll take the Bucks. Wow. The Eagles are, here's the thing, just when you think, we're the, we're the consummate underdog in Philadelphia, and our team maybe is representative of us. Yeah. So we're going to win. Yeah. We're going to beat the Bucks. Now you can have that, Don. That's, what, well, that's what's going to happen. Eagles! Knock yourself out. I'm going to keep hope alive. All right. <laughs> I have to be consistent. You be Come on. O- you be optimistic. I'll be realistic. 81st right. Golden Globe Awards. I don't know if you guys watched. I did, actually, a little bit of it, because, you know, it's my job to be up on this stuff. Did, Ta- so did. Taylor make a cameo? She did. Oh, yes, yeah. she did. There was a joke, too, about her that I have from the... who? who Joe Coy was the uh, host. Yeah, he bombed. Oof. Oof. Joe Joe Coy? I never heard of him. I, Apparently, he's he, he's a comedian. Yeah. Um, Who they found like last week, ten days, ten oh. days prior. <laughs> wow. They found him, and uh, you know, usually I like the best joke all out of all of them was a Jim Gaffigan line because mm-hmm. they actually did a um, they did best uh, stand up comedy special which is a new category for them which was great and jim gaffigan had a really really good line um that made everybody there uncomfortable and i would play that at seven oh, beautiful I, I like when people get uncomfortable yeah. yeah but he was the only one that really you know kind of stuck it to the hollywood elite good ha well it was a good night for barbenheimer Christopher Nolan's three-hour biography about J. Robert Oppenheimer, obviously, physicist behind the Manhattan Project, picking up a number of very big awards, including Best Motion Picture Drama, Best Director, and Best Drama Actor. And uh, composer Ludwig Grenson also picked up an award for Best Original Score. So Oppenheimer, Oppenheimer, obviously a favorite, heading into the night, as was Barbie, the toy-powered tale from yeah, uh, Greta Gerwig. Mm. It was a big, uh, big blockbuster movie That's for the nice. summer this past year. There was a lot of good movies that came out. There were Sound of Freedom, Oppenheimer, Barbie. I saw two of the three. It was a good summer for movies. I thought it was for yeah. a, kind of a comeback. It felt like it was kind of like the first uh, return to blockbuster Hollywood post pandemic, in a way. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. There we go. There. There's our glitzy event, our glitzy coverage of the of the statues. Speaking of statue, those aren't the only statues in today's uh, broadcast. Yeah. But we are sponsored by Wawa, ringing in 2024 in a big way with any 20 or 24 ounce freshly brewed hot coffee for just two bucks, including their new caramel cream flavor. Pour more of your favorite coffee at Wawa. So we are sponsored by Wawa The Forecast. So today we're sunny. That's a good thing. As we dry out, it's brisk today, sunny and brisk. And, you know, a nice day, a nice Monday by all accounts as we see the sunshine today. But tomorrow the rain moves in, and that's the real problem. This could be, um, we could see some severe storms rolling through. With high winds. How'd that snow so, work out this past weekend, by the way? Oh, everybody was, was panicking big, over. It just fizzled. Yeah. I mean, it snowed. It just, the rain washed it all away. Yeah. What did we hour. get in this area? About an inch and a half? 
Two maybe, inches? Maybe. Maybe. I know my buddy up in Palmerton, north of the Lehigh Valley, got about six to seven inches. Yeah, they got they got hit pretty hard up there. Yeah. I mean, you know, relatively speaking. Right. But 37 degrees right now. We will warm up. We'll be well into the 40s today. Sunny skies. But tomorrow, that rain, it's wet, it's rainy, it's raw this week tomorrow. So the storm is moving through. And like I say, we could get... A ton of rain and wind, so we'll watch for those heavy storms moving through. Kale and Company News Live. All right, Don, thank you very much. 613 Monday morning. Let's get to another big take. The big take on Kale and Company. Uh, the big take this morning, Bluebell Biden. On Friday, January 5th, President Joe Biden made his way to Montgomery County as he begins to ramp up his 2024 campaign. And to nobody's surprise, he made it all about democracy. Joe was in Bluebell Friday afternoon, just a mere seven blocks away from me, as he offered up a very passionate speech about the three-year anniversary of January 6th. In fact, January 6th is seemingly the only thing that revs the big guy up. If the 2024 presidential election was a pay-per-view world heavyweight championship fight, it would be billed as democracy versus dictatorship, at least in the eyes of the far left who believe that Donald Trump is a true threat to democracy. Joe Biden said, quote, you can't be pro-insurrection and pro-America. He said that on his Twitter feed on Friday. I would counter that by saying, you can't claim 2024 is about democracy while attempting to destroy it by removing your top challenger from the ballots. But that's just me. And as the snow fell on Saturday, January the 6th, Joe made sure on Friday, January 5th, that Americans never forget J6. In fact, Joe says we almost lost America on that day. Listen and watch this. Today we gather in a new year, some 246 years later, just one day before January 6th. A day forever shared in our memory because it was on that day that we nearly lost America. Lost it all. Lost it all. To unarmed, middle-aged fat guys walking around the Capitol with blue flags and red hats as Capitol Police officers escorted these dangerous radicals around like it was a tour at Disneyland. But Biden would then drop the D word for the first time. Listen and watch this. Donald Trump's campaign is obsessed with the past, not the future. He's willing to sacrifice our democracy, put himself in power. Our campaign is different. For me and Kamala, our campaign is about America. It's about you. It's about every age and background that occupy this country. There it is. Democracy. Joe must be unaware of what Maine, Colorado, Michigan, California, and other states have tried to do or wanted to do at the state level with their ballots. That right there is a true threat to democracy. But Biden is right about one thing. The Trump campaign is obsessed about the past. I would argue if Trump doesn't make it about the present, the future, and correcting Biden's past mistakes, that it could very well cost him in 2024. But it feels like this is nothing more than a revenge tour at times from 2020 and January 6, 2021. In my opinion, if you make it too much about that, that would be a strategic error in your messaging. But then Joe decided to do what Joe does best tell lies, tell falsehoods, and continually repeat the same debunked stories. 
Here is Joe Biden talking about the death of police officers on January 6th. Listen and watch this. Over 140 police officers were injured. Jill and I attended the funeral of police officers who died as a result of the events of that day. Because, Donald, because of Donald Trump's lies, they died because these lies brought a mob to Washington. The only person who died that day was Ashley Babbitt. And if democracy wasn't enough, the other D word got thrown around in Bluebell, that being dictator. Here's the 46th president talking about a tongue-in-cheek comment from Donald Trump. Listen and watch this. He went on to say he'd be a dictator on day one. I mean, if I write in a book of fiction, I said an American president said that. Not in jest. Not a joke. Actually, it was. And of course, the left-wing media ate this up. Here is how the lamestream reacted to Joe's speech in Bluebell. Listen and watch. Well, it was a remarkable speech which spoke directly to the moment, and it was delivered with amazing passion and conviction and integrity. You saw some real emotion there. Mm -hmm. I think it was one of the better speeches, if not top two or three speeches he's ever given in his career. You can see that the president feels this stuff in his bones. I thought the president was absolutely outstanding today. The president was alive. He was passionate. He was articulate. It was so powerful that a day later, an MSNBC host started crying live on television on set as he conducted an interview with one of his guests. Truly an Academy Award-winning performance. But let's not allow facts to get in the way of feelings, shall we? Actually, we will. Here are just a few that the press refuses to acknowledge. Donald Trump said on January 6th to remain peaceful and go home. That video was removed from Twitter almost immediately under its previous owner, Jack Dorsey. Donald Trump said within hours of the 2020 certification that he would step down. And he did. The commander-in-chief did not use military in any way on January the 6th. The president did not send in unarmed extremists to overturn the election results since, well, there is no mechanism for a riot to overturn election results. The overwhelming majority of the January 6th defendants were charged with nonviolent crimes and misdemeanors. The J6 protesters did not kill a single person during the riots. And Donald Trump wanted 10,000 National Guard troops at the Capitol, but D.C. Mayor Bowser, Pentagon, and Speaker Pelosi refused to call them up. Court documents also show there were dozens of undercover officers at the Capitol riots, despite there being light security. Capitol Police officers were caught on video opening doors, removing barriers, and acting cordially with protesters inside the Capitol building. There were undercover MPD officers caught on video, encouraging Trump supporters to quote, go to the Capitol. And Congress was evacuated originally over the RNC and DNC pipe bomb threats, not the riots. And speaking of those pipe bombs, the pipe bomber has not been apprehended to this day, despite the FBI knowing the license plate and the cell phone data of the suspect. Nancy Pelosi's own daughter documented her saying as the Capitol riot started, quote, I've been waiting for this. The Secret Service texts from January 6th have gone missing, And the January 6th Partisan Committee has buried tens of thousands of hours of public surveillance videos, including footage exonerating many of those J6 defendants. 
but enough of that. There's no doubt that Democrats, the left, the media, and the Biden administration are running on three words, democracy, dictator, and abortion. And while abortion wasn't discussed on Friday, you could say that the third set of words were January 6th, democracy, dictator, and J6, because that's all they can run on. They can't run on accomplishments. They can't run on a humming economy, a safe border, low crime in big cities, or global peace. But, but, it's a big but, but it might work. I would advise Trump to run on making America great again, and not so much on revenge and redemption. I also think it would be beneficial for Trump to come to Bluebell, or keep coming to Pennsylvania, because it could very well decide this upcoming election. And that's the big take. The Big Take on Kale & Company. All right, big take this morning. If you want to jump in, thoughts and reaction to Joe Biden being in Bluebell in Montgomery County on Friday, you can certainly do so. 855-839-1210, the phone number, 855-839-1210, at 1210WPHT on social media. Or, of course, be a part of the Kalen Company comment community on YouTube. Just go to youtube.com slash at 1210WPHT. Hit the like and subscribe buttons and be a part of the show today. We'll come back, get some thoughts and reactions uh, to Joe on Friday, as, uh, also the January 6th three-year anniversary from Saturday, as many people were very, very active about it on social media. We'll do that as we continue. And also, Barack Obama, he's getting very, very worried about Donald Trump, and he's had to tell Joe Biden about it. We'll get to those details as we continue. Kale & Company, Monday morning, Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. This is the Kale & Company podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and on the free Odyssey app. Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Get us on the free Odyssey app or watch us live on YouTube. What's on the cut sheet coming up at 745 I remember saying on Friday, as we were getting ready to sign off, I was anticipating all sorts of traffic as I got back up towards Plymouth Meeting and Bluebell with Joe coming uh, you know, to Montgomery County Community College and being in the Bluebell area. Surprisingly, I had no issue with traffic, so I ran and went grocery shopping right away at like 11 o'clock Friday morning, figuring I would do that now to get it out of the way in case later in the afternoon there was all sorts of traffic issues. So I get all that done, I go home, I took the uh, the the rare, very rare dawn, very rare Friday nap, and I slept for two and a half hours. In fact, I slept through the Joe Biden speech at Montgomery <laughs> County Community College on Friday, which coincidentally enough, Joe Biden has slept through the first three years of his presidency. And then I got up and I watched, uh, I think it was the uh, Town Hall website, the one that uh, Katie Pavlich is the editor for. I watched the live stream, I went back and watched Joe's speech. You know, it's really remarkable he is like an aging, stale, shot sports talk radio host who only gets excited for like Eagles Cowboys radio rivalry week. The only thing that seems to invigorate Joe Biden and boost his energy is when he talks about January 6th and threats to democracy. And we laid out everything that he said of note for the most part in the big take. And while the mainstream yucks it up and they're all going to praise Joe because he's basically never really given a exhilarating speech, they're going to give him like an A minus or an A for what he did on Friday. I think a lot of us roll our eyes. But if we step outside of our own little bubble for a moment, I'm not 100 percent convinced that the casual observer that saw that or the Democrat that saw that 
doesn't get a little galvanized by it because I think there are people out there and the people that hate MAGA, that hate Trump, that when they see that speech, it actually works for a, a portion of his constituency. And I, I think it's really laughable because when I think when you look at everything that J6 was portrayed to be that it wasn't, I think most people realize what it was. But I do think that Joe coming to Bluebell, I do think Joe coming to Pennsylvania does pay dividends. And I, I think it's something that Trump really needs to do. I know he's talked about running out Madison Square Garden, but you know what? Pennsylvania is one of the six or seven battlegrounds, and it's absolutely going to impact the 2024 election. Well, right now, I, I think Trump, and that's he was in Iowa stumping. He gave a 4 p.m. speech on Friday. Yep. But I just thought it was ridiculous, the whole, and I was very proud of myself, by the way, that I started warning everybody that on Thursday that the schools were being shut down early. I was very proud of myself to note that, in fact, it's it's not in Valley Forge National Park. Mm-hmm. It's actually in Montgomery County at the community college. I saw the school buses as I left the grocery store Friday <laughs> at like 1145. It was early dismissal. School. Yeah, Wissahickon School District. That's correct. And so... I, I was very proud of myself that that the national media, nobody picked up on that. And it, I didn't, and even my husband works in New York, and I said, what a joke. Even when they, he was speaking on Friday with the C-SPAN broadcast, up in the they corner. Put Valley Forge. It said Valley Forge. He was 11 miles away. And nobody on the national scene, I don't think, really picked up on what we were talking about locally. And the local stations, of course, know better but nobody really pointed it out for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. It was a sin. I thought, you know, first he did go to Valley Forge National Historical Park. He went there to lay a wreath mm-hmm. and then went on, you know, Marine One obviously choppered him over to MCC. But they had to close the park from 11 to 3. All day they closed it. That was crazy. Yep. So runners, nobody could go in the park because he wanted to go lay a wreath and make the symbolism that he's like the George Washington or the general for yeah. freedom and the revolution. What a joke. You think George Washington's <laughs> bumping up a speech a day sooner because of a couple of uh, exactly. inches of snow? <laughs> I mean, that, that was, you know, that, that's why I kept saying on Friday, we're going to get rain. You know, we're going to get rain here. And, and he's saying, oh, a few raindrops. We got to do this on Friday. And by the way, after the half hour speech that he gave, after being on vacation for weeks, he had to go back home. To, you know, Rehoboth or to Delaware to have, you know, get some respite. Well, and get J- some sleep. did you see that Jill escorted <laughs> him off the stage after his speech? I'm wondering. I don't think Jill will be with him every single time. But we have seen many times where Joe doesn't know. Exit stage left, exit mm-hmm. stage right. They had Jill up there kind of escorting him off, walking him straight towards the back exit directly behind the podium. So, um I think a lot of people saw that speech, and it's just remarkable to me. He went J6, he went democracy, he went dictatorship, he went all sorts of misinformation, uh, obviously, about the officers that died. Um, you know, from day one, Trump will be a dictator. And then, and I think we have it for the cut sheet, so I don't want to steal the thunder now, but we have guys in mainstream media on news networks pretending to cry on set a day later as they talk about the speech and the three-year anniversary, which, by the way, I have to give myself a little bit. I stayed completely off of Twitter on Saturday, J6, (laughs) because I opened it up, and I saw what it was, and I knew what it would be, and I was like, you know what? I'm not even going down that road. So I 
I stayed off of that. Uh, but if you guys want to jump in, any thoughts and reaction, you can certainly do so. 855-839-1210. Also, uh, the Supreme Court taking up the Colorado ruling bearing, uh, barring Trump from the 2024 ballot. If you've been wondering about that, SCOTUS will hear oral arguments in the case on February the 8th. Now, coincidentally enough, that is also the same day as Nevada's GOP uh, presidential caucus. And if you uh, are unaware, Trump has appointed three of nine Supreme Court justices, but they also have ruled against him in the past. So the date is officially set in stone. Supreme Court of the United States, Colorado, with Donald Trump and the ballot. That is February 8th. I thought this was pretty interesting, though. Uh, headline from the Washington Post. Barack Obama, worried about 2024, urges Biden's circle to bolster campaign. Uh, let me read just a little bit of this for you, and then I've got some thoughts on it. So former President Barack Obama has raised questions about the structure of Joe Biden's reelection campaign, discussing the matter directly with Biden and telling the president's aides and allies that the campaign needs to be empowered to make decisions without clearing them with the White House. That, according to three people, Familiar with the conversations, apparently Obama grew, quote, animated in discussing the 2024 election and former President Donald Trump's potential return to power, one of the people said, and has suggested to Biden's advisors that the campaign needs more top level decision makers at its headquarters in Wilmington, Delaware. Obama's conversation with Biden on the subject took place during a private lunch at the White House in recent months, one of the people said, a meeting that has not been previously reported. Obama has long harbored worries about Trump's political strength. And also, according uh, to others, David Axelrod said on Friday he could not speak to Obama's discussions with Biden, but that each president approaches his reelection differently and Biden's campaign structure may yet evolve anytime i hear obama in the mix when it comes to anything biden trump related my ears always perk up and there's a couple of things that i think are noticeable here i think barack obama realizes a couple of things the polls are not in joe's favor and even if polls are polls which they are and they might not mean a darn thing the other thing that's not in joe's favor right now is momentum and that is even before, maybe even after, Friday's speech in Bluebell. It's almost as if Obama is saying your message is not enough. It also feels like, you know, we're at a point where I think that he is frustrated that, and by he I say Barack Obama, that every hack at Donald Trump, every time they try to take out the axe and chop away at the tree that is Donald Trump, it only emboldens him more to america so i i have long thought and i think i think we're kind of in agreement on this show that this is kind of like a third obama term and biden getting reelected would be a fourth obama term but anytime obama is lurking around and interjecting and i my my guess is he's far more involved maybe not on a daily basis for sure but he, he is always in the loop uh, when it comes to what Joe is doing right, what Joe is doing wrong. Because if you remember, they didn't always have the, the best relationship. That, that's that been pretty well chronicled and documented. So now all of a sudden, you look at all of these things where uh, Joe's dropped 24% with the black vote. 
He's down 5% overall head-to-head against Trump with the Hispanic vote. He's losing young voters. He's losing young women voters, which is maybe where Michelle Obama comes into play. I, I think there's just something here where it's going to be very interesting to see the way things play out over the next six or seven months because I, it's my belief that you will continue to hear these little anecdotes of Barack Obama kind of just sticking his, you know, his face into the uh, into the scene, so to speak. Does it bother you guys that you hear these things about Obama? Because if Obama is the one telling Joe, dude, this is you've got to whatever it is. Because I've got to believe that if if you're Obama, he's probably thinking, man. I saw Joe get fired up for J6, but this is a very lack. I mean, I know it's only January and we're still, you know, 10 months away, but Joe is kind of going about this very low key with his real Like, you can't really sit here and say Joe has really revved it up. Maybe Friday was the start of it, but so far it's been kind of a very low key, monotonous launch so far, which I mentioned on Friday. I. Do they really just run it back with the same exact playbook? Yes. I think, Stocker, you said yes, they 100%. do. 100%. I mean, look, we can say what we will about the speech in Valley Forge, and I say that in, with uh, quotation marks. Um, <laughs> I, I, but it was this was, a, this was a reset for the Biden campaign. And to be honest with you, taking partisan lenses off of it and what we really thought of the speech, I think that that resonated with a lot of people. And I think that he knows exactly what he's doing. And I think that the whole Obama thing that was what where was that from Politico? Uh, that was Washington Post. The Washington Post, same yes. thing. Um, <laughs> it, it, these stories, in my opinion, are planted as a way to say, "Hmm, look, maybe maybe there's some issues here. Maybe they need to do, maybe they need to rev this up here. Maybe I I think it might be a." It might be something for uh, uh, the media to kind of light a fire under. Is it a motivational the, yes. tactic? Yes, 100%. Okay. 100%. If you guys don't think that the Democrat Party is in lockstep or will be in lockstep six months from now, you're you're kidding yourself. I mean, they can say what they will now. Whether, whether that's but with they're or not, without Joe, correct? What do you mean? As in whether or not Joe will actually be the nominee or he gets replaced. You say they'll be in lockstep. So you're saying one way or the other, whether it's Joe or not, that they'll yes. all be on the same page. One hundred percent. Okay. Okay. I mean, I, I, I just, you know, when you when you see the Obama thing, and you know, I, the other thing you have to keep in mind, and, and this kind of plays off of what you just said with the Democrats always in in lockstep, and they get it together when it matters most, and they rally behind their guy. Joe's not Barack. Joe does not have the popularity of Barack Obama. He is not um, embraced like Barack Obama was within those on the left. I mean, we, we talked about the net favorability ratings and approval ratings on Friday. Uh, Barack Obama was in the positive. Joe was a negative 17. You know, tr- Joe was negative 17. Trump was negative 11. Uh, Jimmy Carter was actually a plus. Jimmy Carter actually somehow had a higher net approval rating after 1,080 days than Barack Obama. And many people say that Jimmy Carter is the worst president of the last 50 years, not named Joe Biden. So it, it while it seems like it might be a motivational thing from Obama, I, I just don't know what motivates Joe other than January 6th, but... 
that's um that's kind of all I've got on that one. So if you guys have thoughts, 855-839-1210 to jump in. Uh, and then lastly, um, we've gotten, well, I've got, I can't speak for everybody. I've gotten some tweets about this, and we actually have uh, some of the updates and the answers. With everything going on, SCOTUS-wise, with Trump, with Colorado, with Maine, things like that. Well, what about Pennsylvania? What about New Jersey? What about Delaware? Uh, well, this was actually answered directly from those that either do or do not have the power. Uh, and it was from CBSNews.com. Will Donald Trump be removed from the ballot in Pennsylvania? Top election official says, no, we have no authority to do so, which really uh, speaks volumes to the ineptitude and the bias and the political agenda of states like Colorado. So the head of Pennsylvania's Department of State, which oversees elections, says he has no power to remove former President Donald Trump from the ballot in November's presidential election. Quote, Pennsylvania's election code does not give me, as Secretary of the Commonwealth, the authority to reject a nomination petition on the grounds that a potential candidate does not meet an office's eligibility criteria. That is from Secretary Al Schmidt, who said in a statement to CBS News Philadelphia, quote, in Pennsylvania, that is a question that can be answered only by the courts. Schmidt's statement comes on the heels of, of course, two states removing Trump from their ballots. Also, uh, CBS News Philadelphia said the following, that their digital team posed this question to the secretaries of state in Jersey and Delaware as well. A spokesperson for New Jersey, Secretary of State, and Lieutenant Governor Tashesha Way declined to comment, and they are still awaiting to hear comment from Delaware. So for those that have been curious and inquiring minds, uh, there is your answer. 855-839-1210 if you want to climb in. Coming up next, we have Podium problems some bickering apparently between the binder and mr kirby what exactly is going to happen on that front from a pr standpoint we'll continue next kale and company talk radio 1210 wphd it's kale and company on demand from talk radio 1210 wphd and the free odyssey app hopefully all of you off to a great start nick dawn and greg talk radio 1210 wphd Always streaming live on the free Odyssey app. You can watch us on YouTube. 855-839-1210 is how you climb aboard. What's on the cut sheet? Coming up 745 this morning. Also, our buddy Harry Mays will join us at 930 to talk about that Eagles-Giants debacle yesterday as the NFL playoffs are set. But, you know, we've got rising tensions here in Philadelphia because of the football team. Uh, We've got rising tensions because of... What is transpiring with the William Penn statue, which we will get to in a couple of minutes, but also tensions growing nationally uh, and problems possibly a brewing at the podium between Kareem Jean-Pierre and John Kirby. Um, I was kind of floored to see this story come out Friday. Um, I saw it from uh, Simon Atiba on Twitter, and I thought maybe he was just doing what he always does, which is kind of, you know, cry that he's the victim. And he's become kind of a, a pandering pain in the butt, even though <laughs> I think initially his his uh, his right to be uh, mad at Kareem Jean-Pierre refusing to answer him was, was justified. But now it's always me, 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 me. He's always interjecting <laughs> himself with the story. But this is a fascinating story between Kareem Jean-Pierre and John Kirby. Uh, Axios has a very good breakdown where they say, 
They share a podium and a mutual frustration. Uh, as President Biden heads into a tough re-election campaign, his top-ranking spokespeople are at odds while navigating a situation in which there's one press secretary in name, but two in practice, one for domestic policy and the other for foreign policy. And some of the tensions that are brewing now stem from how much each time gets at the podium, apparently each day. Axios lays this out where Kirby, who is a Biden favorite, who has become the public face of the administration's response to the Israel-Hamas war, has told people that he would like to be the White House press secretary one day, which we know currently is occupied by Corrine Jean-Pierre. Now, she has told people that she plans to stay in the job through the election and beyond if Joe wants her and that he has asked her not to leave. But a White House official told Axios that Kirby never volunteers that he would like to be press secretary, while Jean-Pierre and Kirby have split podium duties in the White House press room more frequently since the war with Israel and Hamas began in October. Aggravating tensions began in the spring of 2022 when Jen Psaki departed as press secretary uh, and took over her job now at MSNBC. But if you think about this, They've got it divided up between domestic and foreign policy. I would say that they don't want Corrine Jean-Pierre up there discussing Israel and Hamas. A very, very delicate situation. I would argue almost above her pay grade. And they don't want her fanning any flames by not being prepared, not having something to say, not having the right answer. Because what is very interesting about this, when you look at these two individuals, And I've said this before, in an administration of terrible public speakers, John Kirby is a great speaker who says nothing. Corrine Jean-Pierre is a bad speaker who says nothing. But herein lies the problem, and this is what happens when you do identity politics. When you have built an entire administration about DEI, just like they can't replace Kamala Harris with a middle-aged white guy, they can't replace Corrine Jean-Pierre with John Kirby because you have an African-American female lesbian. She checks three boxes. She actually checks more boxes than Kamala does. So as bad as she is, there's no way they could ever put her on ice for John Kirby. It would be racist, sexist, and homophobic all at the same time (laughs) if you play by their rules. But I find this to be fascinating because I actually think Kirby... Even though he says nothing, he's actually really a good speaker and good at what he does. Well, he's good at saying nothing. Yes. <laughs> and that's a talent. That's and that, a skill and that's, set. And that's the position, right? <laughs> yep. That's what you sign up for, right? Uh, you know, absolutely. And he has, I noticed last week, I thought, oh, he's got like this new gray suit. He's got the little pocket kerchief. He's got the new glasses. He's He's feeling it. I think he is the president's pet. Supposedly, Biden prefers that Kirby actually in person briefs him and so kjp i think that she's yeah she's uh she's not the favorite child she's not the pet but it it doesn't matter behind the scenes she might be irked by the fact that kirby is the de facto and that even the media prefers to get answers from him because Mm -hmm. i think he's just more obviously more skilled yes and so those behind the scenes issues don't matter because of what you just said nick Mm -hmm. he they can't touch her and here's the thing too, you know, if Joe gets re- if Joe gets reelected, 
I mean, do you really envision Kareem well, Jean Pierre for another four? No, that, those jobs. The one thing about those jobs, you know, the press secretary is they rotate them all the time. A lot of turnover. So there's a lot of turnover. They that do, job. but Greg at their own wishes. Well, you so can, they're not going to push. You can make it push. Yeah, I know, but they can make it. So hey, <laughs> we'll give you a nice exit. You know, you'll you'll get this plush MSNBC gig. Where you'll make a million bucks. I was just going to say that. Unless Kareem Jean-Pierre gets offered a television gig, which I can't see happening. Because if she's, I mean, unless she's actually better on a teleprompter and better in a TV setting. Because, I mean, let's face it. Those are very controlled environments as well. You, Everybody can, if you're a good speaker and you learn, and I'm not diminishing the skill because it is an incredible skill set. And Don, you can attest to this, you know, the teleprompter and everything. You're like, you're, you're in a very controlled environment. She's not going to be throwing any curveballs on TV. There are times, and I say times loosely, almost all the time where she looks like she's flipping through that book for answers up there. And, and most often she knows what's coming her way and still seems very in over her head. But already, since even since she came in, because from the from the get go, John Kirby was basically her, you know, supervisor, or she was the Padawan, however you want to say it. Mm-hmm. And from the get go, there were people in the Biden administration as well as African prominent African Americans in the media and pundits who were saying, "Oh, this was an insult," or alluding to the fact that this could be perceived as you know racist, sexist. Uh, anti-LGBTQ plus whatever. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I mean, they're, they're in a spot where until I think she wants to leave, I think they have to handle this in a very delicate way. I would agree. Uh, the White House <laughs> disputing these claims, saying, I don't recognize this description of their relationship at all. The truth is the opposite. They have a very good relationship. They talk all the time, and they have a collaborative rapport. So... Uh, keep an eye on that. 855-839-1210 if you would like to jump in. All right, coming up, hour number two. Dawn will kick off the 7 o'clock hour with some news. And then we have to get to the uh, removal of the William Penn statue, all in an effort for a more inclusive experience for visitors. Uh, this was making the headlines and the waves yesterday on social media. We'll get into that when we come back. Kalen Company, Hour 2, next here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Start your day with Kalen Company, weekday mornings 6 till 10 on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the free Odyssey app.